We are now going to talk to Dylan, who's uh, Dylan McGarry. He's a senior researcher in uh, educational psychology at the Environmental Learning Research Center out at Rhodes University. Uh, It's a a pertinent mouthful because uh, he went out with his team to to do some incredible work in the community. They've spent more than just a couple of years to create this play called Uluembu, which uh, is Zulu and it translates into a spider's web. And this play really takes into account the personal and real life experiences of some of the people that they met in the communities in which they went to do some of this pertinent research around the usage and addiction on and reliance on drugs such as Nyawope as well as Wunga. Um, and it's now not just in the communities where the play is being performed to diverse audiences, um, but also it's now been taken beyond that. It's now being performed in front of policymakers and it has an intention of traveling internationally to be performed and viewed and appreciated by an international audience. Um, I'm interested in how research ultimately leads to a play being in production. So, uh, yes, no better person to tell me more about that than Dylan himself. How are you doing this evening, Dylan? Hi, yes, very well. Thanks. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. I'm great. I mean, you you can't live in South Africa without knowing and hearing about Wunga and Nyaope. Mm. And you are fortunate if you don't have a family member or extended family member or your colleague or somebody who's been affected by it in one way or another. Um, but you're not necessarily in the space of NGOs. Uh, you're not necessarily in the space of drug uh, rehabilitation. You're a senior researcher at an academic institution. Um, yes. <laughs> so how does a senior researcher from Rhodes University then find himself in the space of wanting to dig deeper into the societal issue? Yes, so I'm, I'm based at the Environmental Learning Research Center at the university currently known as Rhodes. Mm. And we're very interested in trying to understand the learning that's happening in society in our everyday, in the kind of thick mess of the social ills that are we struggling with now, everything from climate change Mm. to, in this case, street-level drug addiction. Mm. And so it it formed part of a project called um, the Transgressive Learning Network. Okay. And um, we, we... kind of go into the, a situation without a preconceived idea. We, we really go in to listen, to mm. deeply listen and empathize with people in our lives and in our communities and, and find out what was going. So what's, what's actually happening. And so this project was kind of led by Neil Coppin, who's a South African playwright, um, and Mpumin Tambeni, who's also a researcher and an actress, and myself, who started running workshops in Durban as citizens. Mm. Um, at the time, I was living in Durban. And um, and just listening to the, the concerns of young people and people in the city at the time. And this came up as one of the number one concerns that was mm. really plaguing the city, plaguing families and schools. Um, yeah, and so we went out for um, almost two years of deep ethnographic research, mm. working with um, a Kwamashu-based theater company called um, The Big Brotherhood. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we learned about the complex reality of um, addiction um, particularly to Wonga, which is um, a, a brown heroine. Okay. Um, and, yeah, we discovered really tragic things, that this wasn't a policing issue, this wasn't a, 
um, an issue that could be dealt with just by the police. This was a mental health crisis. And mm. some of the kids, some of the youngest people we were meeting on the street were eight years old with a heroin addiction. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, so we set out to understand this concern and from that really try to see how we could respond. Yeah. What was highlighted for yourself and uh, your research team, uh, you know, with the years that you guys spent out in the communities? What was that recurrent theme that would come up over and over again, whether you're talking to families, community members, mm. or even really those struggling with the addiction themselves? I think the the kind of reoccurring theme was just the deep, concern and love actually people had for each other mm. when we got through past some of the the complicated aspects of it and mm. the maybe miscommunication and mm. um, there was a deep concern that, that um from whether we were talking to police or to parents or to school teachers or to the users themselves mm-hmm. that there, there needed to be a better way to deal with this issue mm. um and the problem was that we started noticing as we were, because we were able to be independent. But like you said from the beginning, we weren't an NGO. We, we were just concerned citizens doing research. Yeah. And so we could move between these worlds. So we worked undercover with the police. Some of the Big Brotherhood team managed to go deep into the dealing and, 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 and how the dealing system works mm. um, in the trafficking of the drug. Um, but what we came to understand in, in this situation was the... Um, the kind of mismatch or miscommunication between these different areas of concern. Mm. And, and, and different groups had different tools at, at their disposal to try to respond. But mm. sometimes those responses, for example, the police's um, arrest quotas and their arrest program mm. were kind of directly in contrast to public health practices, trying to get the kids off the streets or to provide them primary health care. And so there needed to be conversations happening actually at a higher level. Yeah. Um, for, for, there to, for it to be truly responsive to the needs of, of young people and not just arresting them because they were taking drugs. It's actually seeing this as a mental health issue, not um, just a policing issue. Yeah. Uh, it, it's always interesting, you, you know, when you talk to people who work in communities, uh, you know, whether by way of being frontliners or, um, you know, in research or whatever uh, the category of involvement is, that one of the things that is often brought up is, as you say, that mismatch between the the problem and the solution, as well mm. as the, the different sectors that are working in the space to try and resolve. And oftentimes um, that goes all the way up to, to the policy making of, of, you know, some of the structures that are meant to facilitate the help yes. because they're not on the ground. It's not a, you know, bottom up system. It's a top down system it often doesn't translate into the kind of help that it's supposed to in the time, kind of time frames and impact that it's supposed yes. to. Yes. I think one of the biggest challenges is when we go into a situation just trying to find a solution, we, we, we kind of are unable to listen and understand to all the qualities mm. of the problem. And in this case, um, as you said, the, the, the play is called Uluembu, which mm. in Isidulu means the spider web. And we realize that if you tug on one string, it's connected to everyone else. Mm. And you can't, you can't deal with this with a one-size-fits-all one kind of response. And so it became very clear to us that what, we couldn't just try to keep seeking solutions. We had to just really immerse ourselves mm. in all the complicated, messy relationships that the social system kind of phenomenon had 
um, not with the kind of preconceived idea that we were going to solve it. Mm. Our, our, we went in there to just fully and deeply understand it yes. and empathize with it. And our theater company is called Empathyater, and it's really to, we create amphitheaters of empathy. Mm. We, we're just trying to fully understand and create opportunities for people to really hear each other, hear what's at the core of it. And, and and we were kind of shocked to discover that that was actually more powerful than trying to go seek out solutions because what it did is it opened up conversations with different people within the city, whether they were police or Department of Health or addictionologists or uh, policymakers. Mm. They were able to find new ways of responding and working together, Yeah. Um, which led us eventually, you know, to performing it to Parliament and, mm. and getting voices into those policy spaces that would never usually get there. And in a form that was not trying to edit them, that would become like in a glossy report or something that yes. was visceral and real and a human performed as, as accurately as we could in a very um, real way. So it's performed in, in vernacular Zulu and in English and we code switch between them. So, oh. you know, everything is kept really authentic to the root of um, mm. the problem we're looking at. Mm. I love what you're saying. I love the work that you guys are doing. It's very reminiscent of Vitz's Drama for Life. Um, yes. And they've got some incredible success. I think we need more programs uh, similar to that. So Ulwembu, the play, then gets sparked after two years of, of research and, and writing this thing and developing it. You then come up with this incredible play, uh, translating to Spider, by the way, in case you don't speak Isizulu. Um, and you collaborated, as you mentioned, with a bunch of people to, to develop this production and now it's going international now i'm wondering how are you planning on doing that considering that all borders are still closed well kind of <laughs> semi-closed i don't even know anymore yes well actually just before covid we were invited to several international policy events and obviously okay. we couldn't do that mm. um we, we've been on a pause um but what we have been developing as the company is trying to produce um, and, and facilitate. So I haven't described one. So we perform the play. Mm-hmm. And then after the play, there's a, a facilitated discussion. And we okay. try to ensure that the audience is as diverse as the problem. Uh-huh. So that that discussion almost becomes a new policy space. It becomes like a tribunal space. Uh-huh. Um, in addition, we published the, the play with Vitz Press. And it acts as also a report and, and a way of, of sharing our research, but through narrative. Mm. Um, so we've been able to use that to kind of the players kind of continue to survive and live through COVID in working with people and people using it. It's also taught at schools. It's used as a set work and also at universities. But um, what we are planning to do now is um, is to use a filmed filmed versions of the play and continue to facilitate these policy dialogues internationally. With some of our other plays, we've developed in we've worked with very various issues, not just. Uh, uh, um, in this case, um, street-level drug addiction. Mm. But we've worked with um, the in- impact of mining on communities in South Africa with a play called Nklaba Norlashle, Sol and Ash. We've looked at migrant women's experiences um, in a play called The Last Country. Mm. We've looked at um, gentrification and housing rights. And recently we're working on um, with the One Ocean Hub, looking at ocean governance and ocean decision-making. Mm. Um, so we kind of really look at various different problems. And, and we've been able, had success in the, in the most latest play with La Lelo Luantle, mm. um, using it as a, a tool to work in international policy space already, using um, a radio play v- a version of it. So we're moving into radio, 
so radio broadcasts of it, film broadcasts of it, and then facilitating these discussions online, mm. and then and then yeah, hopefully when the world um, transforms into the new form it's taking, uh, it might lend itself to theatre experiences again. But it just um, we are able to translate this medium into other forms, and mm. we're also busy building an animation project as well. Wow. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but it's definitely a necessary work. And I, I do love, I mean, you mentioned it earlier about uh, mm. you, you, you've come up with a whole methodology around this yes. that uses empathy uh, to communicate these, these stories. Yes. Yeah, so I'm part of my research as a postdoctoral researcher at the Environmental Learning Research Center was really to study empathy. Mm. And I'm quite interested in this idea that empathy as you know, as an artist, I'm also interested that empathy is a kind of sculptural object. Mm. It's it, it's invisible, but it exists between us, and we can shape and transform it um, with with each other, especially through storytelling mm. and and political storytelling like this. I mean, we're really going out to really work with meaningfully um, to try aim for a better just world. And one thing that can really help lubricate that is better processes for empathy. Mm. Um, so what Empathy Theatre does is we've developed quite a clear methodology of deep immersive research, and we are quite a wide collaboration, collaboration of different uh, groups of people. So we're we a group of sociologists, theatre makers, writers, actors, um, and, and others, mm. policymakers, who are coming together, and, and, and also civil society, and coming together to around a concern. And then from that, like I said, we produce a script mm. and then we play that back before we even perform it to public. We play it back to the stories, to the people who told us those stories. So uh-huh. as much as we are storytellers, we're very much story listeners as yes. well. So we, we listen back to hear, is it authentic? Are we speaking the truth? Are the, are the cultural references right? Is the mm. language right? Is the vernacular right? Because mm. um, we, we work in many languages. And so... And then from there, we're able to then perform it. And each time we perform it, it refines the play. Mm-hmm. And so the play is evolving and growing with society and responding. So, for example, in this play, in the middle of our rehearsal and research, there was the, the kind of xenophobic attacks mm. in 2000 and I think it was 16 yeah. in Durban. And um, after King Zulatini's speech and we had to quickly respond to that on the ground mm. and so the play actually responded to that by a new character came into the play who's a foreign national and, and is struggling with kind of being perceived as a drug dealer when they're not and yes. the false kind of accusations that surrounded um, foreign nationals at the time so the play was able to really respond to issues that were coming up in society so the the methodology is very much that it's about trying to create um a deep, empathetic, and responsive way to to kind of stay with the trouble of our time. Mm. I'd be interested, Dylan, in finding out quickly before we wrap things up. Mm. I'd be interested in finding out. You just said that you know, as part of the development of of the various pieces that you guys undertake, um, is also the process of being authentic to the storytellers that you are borrowing from. Mm. Um, mm. And I'd be intrigued in knowing how do they react when they see their intimate experiences reflected back to them? Uh, because I would think that that would have an emotive reaction as well, right? Because it's almost like a out-of-body experience, having to Absolutely. watch yourself, watching yourself and experience yourself in a way that it's almost like having a mirror reflected at you. 
Absolutely. And we have so many profound uh, moments and responses to this. But one story sticks out very beautifully in the last country, mm. which is led by Dr. Kira Owen at the Urban Future Center at DUT and Neil Coppen and Mpume. They, there was a character in it who tells a harrowing true story of a woman um, who loses her child while um, traveling down um, Africa as, a, mm. as a, you know, escaping violence. And while she's telling the story, which is very difficult, um, in that performance, the, the performance is played in the round, and mm. people are the audience is sitting with the actress actors um, on stage, mm. um, and so it just so happened by the kind of fate, this this the actress who was telling the story happened to be sitting next to the woman whose story it belonged to, mm. and she had, she had already agreed for the, her story to be shown in this play, and she'd, she'd read the script and also listened, seen a rehearsal of it. So she knew what was coming. Yeah. But during the moment where this woman is telling her, the actress is telling her, her story, the actress wasn't aware that the woman whose story it belonged to was right next to her. Mm. And she performs the story and obviously weeps during the performance. And the woman whose story it belongs to ends up hugging her on stage during the show. Aww. Um and afterwards, when we asked her how that was for her, she said it was so profound because she's been carrying the story on her own mm. for, for many years. And it was incredible to hear it played back to her in such authentic way and that she felt like she was no longer carrying the story herself, mm. that she had someone to hold it with her. Oh, wow. So these, we have very, very powerful, beautiful moments like this that keep coming up. And we're very careful with this. I mean, the ethics around this work is quite complex. Mm. And we are try, we make sure we are doing this always with very clear consent from the stories it belongs to, for the people whose stories it belongs to. Fascinating work, Dylan. Absolutely fascinating. Um, wishing you and your team all the very best indeed. Thank you so much. And I think sometimes, you know, we need uh, programs like yourselves and the Drama for Lives uh, to just be a reflection of, of ourselves to ourselves as well, um, yes. especially for the more difficult conversation and the more darker sides of humanity that we wouldn't necessarily engage from our perspective of privilege. Um, mm. So we don't take it lightly at all. Uh, and thank you for taking your Friday evening to, to sure. engage us. No problem. And you can learn more on um, amphitheater.com. Uh, all our projects are there and some videos and a short documentary you can watch about the, about the methodology. I love it. Uh, amphitheater.com is where you can go to catch up with uh, everything that Dylan and his team get up to. If you are intrigued and you want to know more, it's always riveting stuff. It's just uh, fast approaching 22, 9 o'clock, the final half hour of Off the Pitch with myself, Bridget Missinger, right here on SAFM.